Um, as we begin, though, this evening, I have a confession to make. I am a happy ending kind of guy. Anyone else out there like that? You see, uh, a movie that suddenly ends without the sunset sky and the happy people, that's not for me. I'm like, what a waste, what a waste of two hours of my life. And now you're making me work because I have to imagine what's going to happen afterwards too. Unresolved endings, sad endings, they're not for me. So what is it that we see as we come to the close of this book of Genesis? And in particular, as we come to the close of this section that we've been looking at, focusing on Joseph's life. After all, Joseph's life, as we've been seeing here, has been far from straightforward, has it? It's been full of pretty hard things, sad things, confusing things at times. In many ways, what we've been reading about here, the life of Joseph, has been one of the most gripping stories that's ever been told, let alone the fact that he actually lived it. Full of plot twists, full of unexpected turns. So how does it finish? Are we left with one final twist in these verses? Well, thankfully for me, with my love of happy endings, not at all. Here in these verses, we aren't left scrambling, wondering what's going on. No, instead, we see here a settled, peaceful ending to Joseph's dramatic life. How is that the case? Well, it's because as Joseph looks back on his life here in these final verses, I think this is what he sees. He sees that, yes, life has been hard. It's been full of those twists and turns, ups and downs. But he sees and he's learned along the way that God has had a purpose and God has had a plan. And as Joseph reflects on his life and declares that to be the case, I think this gives us today too, looking at our lives, great reason for hope, great reason for rest, because we too can know that the same is true for us, that God has a purpose, that God has a plan. Guys at the back, I don't think the clicker seems to be working, so if you could just put it on for me, that would be great. See, as much as most of us haven't had and probably won't go on to have as dramatic a life as Joseph, with quite the extremes that he's gone through, many of us can certainly sympathize with what he's faced. We can sympathize, can't we, with the pain that he has felt. Think of it, the pain of betrayal, the pain of broken relationships, Many of us here in this room maybe can sympathize with the unjust treatment that he faced or the feelings of being forgotten or alone. And even if we can't sympathize with the specifics of Joseph's life and what he's gone through, we can feel, can't we, with him, the general messiness, the general difficulty, the general confusion that life can bring with it. Life at times can be hard. And this is why this passage speaks such good news for us this evening. It does so much to speak hope for us. Because what Joseph declares to be true for him will also ultimately turn out to be true for us this evening if we are those trusting in Christ. Even though we can't and won't always see it, just like Joseph couldn't, God has a good purpose, a good plan. 
We're going to see good news this evening that as messy, as difficult, as sad, as painful your life and mine can be at times, we too can and will have the same happy ending as Joseph. Where are we seeing this hand happy ending then? Well, let's turn to the text and turn with me specifically to verse 20. This really is the climax of the whole book. His brothers have just come to him, haven't they, and asked for Joseph's forgiveness. And Joseph, in his reply, tells them not to fear, for he isn't in the place of God. And then he says these words, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. As I say, in many ways, if we had to sum up all that we've been seeing here from Genesis 37 onwards, this verse probably does it. Well, at many different points, given the messiness of the family, Joseph's family, of the sin that we see here, the disappointments, the harsh, unjust treatment, it seemed like God's plan, wasn't it, was going off the rails. But it never did. In fact, Joseph is saying here in this verse that actually all that has gone on in his life, if you think of it like this, that's actually served to be the rails on which God has brought about his good purposes and his good plans. What was that purpose and plan then for Joseph and more generally too? Well, let's see this together. And I think we can see this first if we look Uh, If we, like Joseph seemingly does, look back. First of all, look back at what God has done. How he's been at work fulfilling these sovereign good purposes. Even through Joseph's hardships. First, we see this evidence in our passage in how God has used all that Joseph has gone through, even his hardships, to bless Joseph himself. We've seen this in previous chapters, if you've been with us, as Joseph ultimately has risen, hasn't he, to become this prince-like figure, second only to Pharaoh in the whole of Egypt. And we see this continuing and pictured for us in verse 18, if you look there with me. As we see his brothers, now fully aware of who Joseph is, they come and they bow before him. See, we see that while Joseph once was the lowest of the low, God has turned the tables, hasn't he? Even using those hard times to put him into just the right position to now be the one assuming this power, position of power, honor, and influence in the land of Egypt. Well, it may not be how Joseph would have mapped it out. We see here again that God has fully come through, hasn't he, on what he had revealed would happen to Joseph all those years ago. Do you remember those dreams? His brothers bowing down before him. Not only that, though, we see how God has brought blessing to Joseph even through his hardships in verses 22 and 23 as well. There we see, verse 22, first, that Joseph is blessed with this long life. We're told here 110 years, and according to Egyptian law, that is the perfect age. And verse 23, we see, second, that Joseph is blessed with children, great-grandchildren, even great-great-grandchildren. Would Joseph being taken off from his family mean an end to his line and his place amongst God's people? No. 
God made it to be that he was still just as fruitful, if not more fruitful, than all his other brothers. God's plan was to bring blessing to Joseph, and he made it to be so. He fulfilled that plan, even amongst Joseph's hardships, even through them. But as we look back at what God has done, we also see in these verses how God's purpose and plan hasn't just involved blessing Joseph, but also all of his people. We see this in, again in verses 20 and 23. First, verse, verse 20. Look there, where because of how things have all worked out, because of where Joseph ended up, God's people have been kept alive. There in verse 20, God's people are amongst those many people, aren't they? Who, if Joseph had remained in Canaan with his family, almost certainly would have died as a result of this famine. But not only that, verse 21 then too, Joseph is blessed as second in command in the whole of Egypt, but his people then are blessed as a result. As a result of his position. Reread there, don't we, that Joseph is able to continue to provide for his people so that they have everything they could need. And then in verses 22 to 23, while we've just said that they speak of blessing of Joseph particularly, they point to the truth that we read a few weeks ago. That chapter 47, verse 27, God's people more generally, here in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, they were being fruitful. And they were multiplying greatly as they lived in this land. See, God's plan not only involved saving the lives of his people, preserving them, but then using Joseph, he then provided for them a land to be fruitful, to, be multi- to multiply in, where they would have all that they need. That was the good end, God's good purpose. That was God's plan, even back when Joseph's brothers were wickedly selling him into slavery. But that wasn't the full extent of what God had planned either. As we look back at what God has done, we also see in these verses a third blessing. The blessing that God would bring to the nations as a whole through his people, and specifically through Joseph. We see this again in verse 20. That all this has happened, ultimately leading to Joseph being brought into this position of power and influence with this aim. That many people would be kept alive. And notice here that it is not just God's people, is it? We saw this pictured for us really dramatically back in chapter 41. The end of the chapter, verse 57, when we read back then of all of the earth coming to Egypt, coming to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And this is what Joseph is saying here. You, my brothers, you meant evil. You meant it for evil when you sold me. You set off this course of of events. But God was directing it all. He was behind it. He was above it. And he meant it all for good. That through me, many people, Egyptians and many other nations too, they would be kept alive. Today, says Joseph, because of what you did to my brothers, there are thousands and thousands of people alive who otherwise would not be. God has blessed the nations through his people, through Joseph, 
as a result of all that's happened here. But of course, keeping many people alive all those millennia years ago wasn't even the fullest extent of how God planned to bless the nations. Even through all the evil, all the mess, all the hardship we've been seeing here from Genesis 37 onwards. See, all that's been going on didn't only keep people alive back then, but also kept God's promise alive. The promise alive of of this one to come, of this future royal seed, who would be the one to come and crush the serpent's head, as promised in Genesis 3, and be the one to come from Abraham's offspring, as promised in Genesis 22, through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. At the end of Genesis here, in verse 26, we do read of Joseph dying. And as he's laid in the coffin, the hopes that perhaps Joseph, he would be that one to come, well, they're finally laid to rest. But through Joseph, God has still preserved the family line his promise. In particular now, our attention, hasn't it, has been turned by Jacob to this family line of Judah, through whom Jacob said, now this king would come from whom the scepter would never depart. A purpose and plan that I too can hope and rest in. Just look what God has done. Notice with me how verse 20 is a really good summary of Joseph's mistreatment and how God used that as part of his plan. But verse 20 is actually an even better summary of how God did the same for Jesus and through Jesus. Through his mistreatment, his suffering, God brought good, the greatest good. And we can see that most clearly at the cross, can't we? Where else, after all, apart from the cross, do we see man's evil more on show, more starkly laid before us? God's own son, crucified. One who had done nothing wrong. And yet we read in the Gospels that this is what he faced, what he went through. Judas, one of his closest friends, would betray him into the hands of those who would have him killed. He then faced an unjust trial. He faced a crowd calling for his crucifixion. He faced mockery, beatings. And then, as we said, the most unjust, cruel crucifixion. This surely was the ultimate moment of evil wasn't it? The one who had made all things, who had done all things well, condemned to death. And yet it was there. It was there that we see God working that same ultimate evil for the greatest ultimate good. Because as Jesus hung there, as he died... He did it, picking up on the language of verse 20, not just that many people should be kept alive in the here and now, but that many people would be given the gift of eternal life to come. That, as we thought about last week, for those trusting in him, therefore, death would not be the end. 
but would simply be this doorway that we pass through victorious, going to be with our God forever. There is no doubting, is it, that those crucifying Jesus and the devil in his plans there, they meant that moment for evil. They wanted Jesus dead, and yet even there, at that moment, God meant it for good, to bring it about that as many as would come to Christ would find life now and forevermore. What the devil imagined to be his great moment of victory was in God's hands his great moment of defeat, wasn't it? As Christ died and as he rose again, he once and for all crushed the devil's head, crushed the serpent, declaring to all as he rose again that death was defeated. And as we look back at this, as we've been saying this evening, I think this truth is meant to speak hope and rest to us. Amongst all of the messiness, all of the difficulties of our lives. Because do you know, this is true. No matter what you face in your life, God's purpose and plan has, in one sense, already been fulfilled for you through Jesus Christ, through his death, through his resurrection. The devil thought he could derail God's plan at the cross, but God used those very rails as his means of salvation. Salvation that you, this evening, can be sure of. Salvation that is guaranteed for you if you are trusting in God's Son. Salvation that today you can rest and hope in. But maybe we're tempted to think this evening, well, who am I? Who am I to be able to come to Jesus for this salvation, for this forgiveness, for hope, for rest? Maybe you're not a Christian here this evening, and you'd say, listen, my life is way too far gone for any of this forgiveness stuff. Or maybe you are a Christian here this evening, and as you look at your life, you're tempted to think the same. I know it says in God's word that my record of debt has been nailed to the cross of Christ, but surely he cannot keep forgiving me, can he? After all that I've done and keep doing? Well, if either of those things are true for you, there's good news. There's good news here in God's word. Because the second incredible thing about this promised one to come, Jesus, and the hope and rest that he came to bring, is that he came to graciously offer forgiveness and blessing without limit to any and to all who will come to him. We see this, the work and the heart of Christ, really clearly, beautifully pictured, foreshadowed for us here in the person of Joseph in verses 15 to 21, if you look there with me. Remember, as we began by saying, we see here Joseph's brothers fearing that we're now with Jacob dead, Joseph might want to take revenge on them. But here's the thing. It seems that while these brothers have spent 17 years now with Joseph in the land of Egypt, they haven't got to know him at all. 
Just look at Joseph's first words in response to their request. Verse 19. This request for forgiveness, and Joseph says to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? And then after those words from verse 20 that we've spent so long looking at, looking at he concludes again, verse 21, the same words. Look again. So do not fear. My brothers, Joseph says, do not fear. I forgive you. I can see how God has worked good through all of this. And he's the only one who can exact any kind of judgment anyway. So don't think now that you need to stand before me trembling in fear. You're forgiven. But not only that, know this too. I want what is good for you. I want what is best for you. Look at verse 21. I want to bless you. I will not only forgive you, I will provide for you and for your little ones. And then here's this incredible summary the author gives us. In this way, he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Doesn't that all sound so much like Jesus? Jesus came, yes, as the great king, that lion from the tribe of Judah who would rule on the throne forever. And yet he also came humbly. He came humbly, sitting on a donkey's colt with these words, fear not. And he comes with these words too that Steve mentioned earlier. Come to me all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Joseph here points us forward to Jesus in who he is, Jesus is no domineering, demanding ruler, harsh, quick to anger, quick to dish out judgment here, there, and everywhere. No, he comes to bring rest, rest to our souls, rest for all who would come to him. He comes to bring forgiveness, even to those who, like in our passage, have done him so much evil. Just think of Jesus' own words, right? There on the cross, receiving that evil. What does he say? Not, Father, condemn these people, but, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they do. Do you know that that is Jesus' heart towards you this evening as well? He comes to you longing to comfort you, longing to speak kind words to you, to say, yes, you have done evil. But I came for that reason, because I want you to be mine. I want you to find forgiveness through my death on the cross for you. I want you to find rest. I want you to know constant blessing. And I want you to know my unfailing love towards you. Do not live in fear, but instead, come rest in me and have hope. God had a purpose 
and God had a plan out of love to send this gracious Savior, this promised one to come to bring you to himself. What Joseph's brothers find in Joseph in this passage beautifully foreshadows all that we find in Christ. As we see this, here is reason for hope. Here is reason for rest. Today, we don't need to live like the brothers in constant fear, living in fear of judgment. But we can be, no, be sure of this. Our God is for us. No matter what we're going through, the messiness, the trials, the ups and downs of life, that can never be taken from us. Your God is for you. And as we get to know Jesus' heart and love for us more and more, we can see and rest in that too, knowing that he will never turn us away, but instead will constantly comfort us and speak kind words to us. But in this passage, we don't just see Joseph looking back, pointing to God's purpose and plan, speaking hope and rest to us. We also see him here looking forwards, and saying not only that, but also look at what God will continue to do. Look with me at verse 24 as we see this. As Joseph now turns his attention from the past to the future. Look at the confidence from his words here. Verse 24. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. How can Joseph have this kind of confidence that God's good plans to bring his people up to the land of Canaan will come about? Well, first, because as we've just been thinking about, God has proven it. God has a purpose, and God has a plan, and he will do it. That's what my whole life is evidence of, Joseph would say. Do you remember those things that seemed so bad that happened to me? Even the evil that you did against me? Well, if God has shown that not even those can derail his plans, well, then we can be sure nothing to come will either. And seeing this evidence through the life of Joseph, this is good news again for us tonight. For us to find hope and rest. Because we too can remember that no matter how bad the situation is that we currently find ourselves in, no matter how hard, no matter how confusing, no matter how much it gets us down, that thing itself is no barrier to God bringing about his good purposes and plans for you and for me as well. It will not stop our God. And on top of that, to hope and rest in, we can remember that that thing that we are currently going through, that suffering, that harsh treatment, that loneliness, that pain, just as those things were not the end for Joseph and would not be the end for his people, for God's people, they will not be the end for us either. We may or may not, like Joseph, come out the other side of them here on earth. But one day you can be sure of this. 
God will bring you up out of those situations, those hardships, those difficulties, to new life with him, free from anything that would get us down, into perfect life. As we've seen this evening, if you are in Christ, there is nothing that can stop your life from having a happy ending, just like Joseph's. Because God has a purpose and a plan for you too. And no worldly, evil plans, no attacks of the devil can derail it. How though, you might ask, do you know that is God's good plan for me and for you? Because if you're trusting in Christ, he has promised it. He's promised that that is the case. Here in these final verses, we see Joseph looking ahead, looking to the promises that God has made to him and his fathers. And these final words of Genesis are referred to in Hebrews 11, which picks up the end of Joseph's life. And we read there that by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of this exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. And while we do not have the exact same promises here that Joseph had to look forward to, to hold on to, those promises were in part fulfilled, weren't they, when Joshua does go and conquer the land and lead his people into it. We also have promises about our future if we're in Christ. By faith, we can bring to mind and remember the promise of Christ in John 10, 28, that he gives eternal life to his sheep, his followers, that they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of his hand. By faith, we can remember and live in light of the promise found in Paul's letter to the Philippians. That God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. By faith, we can live in light of and hold fast to the promise found in Romans 8, 28. That still today, just as for Joseph, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his good purpose. How does remembering, living in light of, holding fast to these kind of present and future promises of God change things for us? Well, again, I think above all, it allows us to have hope. Even amongst the sadness of life, the messiness of life. Because we know where our life is headed. That is 100% guaranteed. Our future has been won, has been guaranteed for us through Christ's coming, his death and his resurrection. And remembering these promises of God to us also allows us to find rest and peace, even in the storms of life, even when we do not understand what we see going on around us. Because we can remember and know that our good and sovereign God really is above it all. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And because he is sovereign, he will bring it about. Now, as I say all of this this evening, I'm very aware that I am speaking to a room full of people, each of you 
with your own genuine problems. Each of you with your own significant burdens, griefs, griefs. Each of you with your own hard things that are going on in your life. I'm not denying or trying to make light of that as we say these things this evening. In fact, I think what we see here in Joseph's story is just how real those things are. Life can be hard. And it is okay to be finding it hard for life to genuinely get you down at times. But in amongst that, as hard as it can be to get our heads around, we can also take confidence this evening. Confidence this evening in God's word to us, in God's promises to us. Because they remind us, don't they, that none of life's messes, hardships, difficulties, are going against God's good purposes and plans. Instead, he will somehow even use those things for our good. So as we close, two final reflections and one encouragement. First, a reflection for each of us as we go on from here. I'd love each of us this week just to stop and take stock of our own lives. And in particular, like Joseph does here, to look back look back on our own lives and reflect. Can I see, even now in my own life, how God has even worked through some of the hard things that I've been through for my good? Can I see how God has been faithful in all of those things? And perhaps if there is something that strikes you, maybe even be willing to share that with somebody to encourage each other. That's who our God is. Second reflection then, as you stop and reflect, also reflect now. What is going on in your life right now? Even something that right now is just a huge burden to you. Something that gets you down, something you're finding so hard. Stop and reflect. Reflect on what we have been thinking about this evening. Hold fast to the truth that God is there with you. And that God has not given up. His plan and his purpose will come good for you. And as you hold that thing before the Lord, entrust him with it. Entrust him with that thing and find rest and peace. God is not finished with you and he will not waste what you are currently going through. You are too precious to him for that. And then a final encouragement. We began, didn't we, by thinking about happy endings. Well, here, I think we see in this conclusion of Genesis, and as we've been thinking about because of the work of Christ, we can turn and think of our own lives. Yes, they can be difficult. Yes, they can be messy. They can be hard. They can be sad. But let me just encourage you this evening. Your life will have a happy ending if you are in Christ. Because one day you will be brought to him. And you will be with him forever. He has a plan and a purpose to bring his people to himself. And if you are trusting in Christ, he will do that for you.
put around some uh, of these verses. This is kind of a summary of, of what we've been thinking about, some of those promises uh, to turn to. As we read here in the final verse of Genesis 50, we read of Joseph's coffin there, sitting in the land of Egypt. And it sits there as a beacon of hope. Because it says to the people there, even as they go on into 400 years here of slavery and hardship, God has, I have a hope. I have a hope. God will take us to that land. Well, so too, we have something that we can turn to, that can sit with us. We have God's word. It is a beacon of hope to us. Let's look to it. Let's look to his promises and remember that he has a good plan. He has a good purpose for you and for me. Let's close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that this evening, even as we come to you in the midst of life's difficulties, hardships, things that can get us down, Lord, we can look to you and we can take confidence and we can have hope this evening. We can have hope that if we are trusting in Christ, you have a good plan for us. You have a good purpose for us. Lord, that none of what we are going through will be wasted, but that you are there with us in that and that one day you will bring us to be with yourself. Lord, we thank you so much for Joseph's life, how it bears witness to your goodness, to your faithfulness to him. And Lord, thank you even as we reflect on our own lives, how we can continue to see that goodness, that faithfulness in our own lives too. Lord, we thank you for the work of Christ. We thank you so much that as you preserved Joseph and the family line here, you preserved that promise that Jesus would one day come. Thank you that he has come and that he calls us to come to himself this evening. Lord, please would we do that this evening. Lord, help us as we look out into the week ahead to do that, but know that we can come to you in amongst it and we can come to Christ in amongst it, claiming his righteousness, his love, his forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you that for us, you have planned a happy ending. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close by singing uh, this song that picks up on so much of what we've been thinking about, Sovereign over us. Let's stand and worship the Lord.
as we leave and go on into our weeks, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.